Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about season three, episode 12, all about her. And once again, different German title, and that is Deal with the Devil. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure which one I hate more. Uh, I feel like All About Her is a reference to some movie or a book. There is a book that, as far as I could find out, has nothing to do with the storyline. And there's also a song, so I kind of was wondering if you were gonna hop onto that. And I was also surprised that that song was not in the episode. They are obvious, but usually not that obvious. I mean, maybe not in that direction, rather. Sometimes they are. But yeah, but but no. We didn't have the Cinderman in the Cinderman either. No, because they shot that option way before. All right, let's talk about today's episode. Lucifer fails at being less self-absorbed. Linda fails at being an honest friend, Amenadiel fails at being a proper illness immune angel, but hey, Chloe succeeds in accepting Lucifer for who he is, Ella succeeds in standing up for herself, and Charlotte succeeds in being a better person while still being badass as fuck. Yes, I think that was one of my favorite scenes, honestly. Oh my god, I say it now, I will be going on such a Charlotte and Trisha Helfer appreciation tangent, because holy shit. I mean, what else is new there? I'm full-on fangirling now for her, and every episode with her as Charlotte just confirms and reconfirms that the writing for mom and mom as a character was at fault and she is amazing and brilliant. Well, she was not supposed to be likable. Still, let me blame someone else and not myself. Duh. Speaking of blame, what's your obsession of the week, girl? Well, my obsession of the week is Kane. Samesies! Oh, wow. I did not see that coming. I am shocked. Kane being the obsession of the week was pretty straightforward. But there was another option and that was Chloe. But then again, she is always a bit of the obsession. And also she's more a means to an end. But we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about that. Cool. Do you have anything fun for me? Oh, do I? Just you wait. Several of the fun tidbits I sprinkled throughout the episode because they 100% belong exactly with the scene they relate to. But I still have some fun bits for you. We have a fourth-time return director with Tara Nicole Ware, who did Pops, My Little Monkey and Mr. and Mrs. Mezekin Smith. We have a six-time return writer with Alex Katznelson, who did Wingman, Pops, Sin Eater, Love Handles, and Mr. and Mrs. Mezekin Smith. And if you paid attention, yes, this is now the third time that this duo is working together. And it's working really well for them. Yeah, they are getting better and better and better, basically. The title is set by Lucifer, now finally giving us five of the actual eight season three episodes set by him. This episode is heavily inspired by the Keanu Reeves action movie Point Break, including characters named Johnny Utah and Wild Child, as well as a police undercover scene at the beach. For those of you who were as fed up as we were with the not necessary filler episode, just imagine watching this when it was screening, because there was a three week break between this and the previous episode. How about no? And for the final fun bit, I have included a link in the show notes because not long before this episode aired, Kevin Alejandro was featured in Man's Journal with an interview, fitness information and pictures. Was it pictures of his abs? It was pictures of him working out. Lovely. Exactly. Link in the description below. <laughs> <laughs> you seem a bit thirsty, Lina. Oh, girl. I got quenched in this episode. <laughs> I got quenched. Good. So the last episode was mainly for myself and my, um, how to put it delicately. Don't be delicate. Why would you choose to be delicate now? <laughs> eh. Anywho, 
This one's for you, Lena. This one's for you. Woohoo! Take a sip of water and let's go fresh into the previously on. Because at least this time we have one. Yay! Oh, it's been a while since I actually said it. So get ready for previously on Lucifer. Lucifer finally got his hands on the alleged Zimmerman and went behind Chloe's back to question him. Chloe found out and is pissed. Pierce was mean to Ella. Maze had a personal growth moment, admitting Linda she doesn't want her and aims together. Pierce put moves on Chloe. Lucy proves he's smart and reveals Pierce as not only Kane, but also immortal. And we pick up exactly where we left before that blasted filler episode. Well, maybe like two minutes later, because there is a whole bunch of bloody napkins already. I do feel for Kane a bit here, I have to confess, but that does not keep me from saying bull fucking shit when he claims that the pseudo cinnamon went rogue. Mm-hmm. Also, I do have a little bit of a point to make in here because I'm pretty sure when he describes everything else that he did, he was not lying. So the fact that he knocked him out and left him in the desert and stuff like that, absolutely. But the moment he starts talking about the closest to a friend that he had or whatever right hand. Can we stop for a second and think about what this means? This means that he groomed this guy from a child, which we know from the photograph. He groomed him into being his right hand and then directly because of his own actions, the dude is now dead. Yes. So this is not okay. I understand that he's lonely. I understand he wants companionship, but grooming is not okay. Also, I very much feel Lucifer's frustration because he literally has zero leverage against Pierce. That is very true. He can't hurt him worse than life has already hurt Pierce. He can't kill him because duh. And also you can't tell anyone because nobody's gonna believe him. It's very annoying for him. So I feel for him, which has been a while. My issue, which is not really an issue, but one thing that's kind of getting slightly annoying after how many episodes we've been on this is that Lucifer is so focused on the devil face and wings. It is understandable, but it's getting a little bit too repetitive, if you know what I mean. It is repetitive, but it's also understandable because it is such a violation of his body. Yes, exactly. And then we get the first cut, scene cut, which I absolutely loved. Did you know this? Oh, yeah, right. Lucifer throws the knife and we get the cut to Mace throwing a knife in the apartment. Such a great transition. You are absolutely correct. The scene transition is brilliant. And it just keeps getting better and better because the fact that Mace is paying Trixie to create artwork with which she then covers up the knife holes in the wall. It's perfect. It made me so happy. Also, it's such a good episode for Maze. Yes. Even though I kind of hate where she ends up, but that's not connected to her as a character. Her as a character is having a great, great episode. Also, she displays such growth when Chloe is angry at her and she pretty immediately realizes, ah, you're not actually angry with me but with something else in your life, because this is something that you humans do. You displace your anger. And she confronts Chloe about this, and Chloe instantly goes, I'm sorry, I should not have snapped at you. I actually do have a different issue. And then Mace comes out of nowhere with really good, proper, real-life advice. You cannot change another person. And I was just sitting there and loving it. This is the Mace character development I want. And I'm gonna say it now. I fear that the whole triangle shit is gonna regress her. So I worry for her. But at this point in time, I love it. And I'm here for it. And I really appreciate it. Yep, couldn't agree with you more on this. And I'm gonna just like jump right back into my notes. 
I really did appreciate that Mace seems to have much better grasp on human behavior, which on one hand is not really surprising because she has dealt with certain type of humans for her entire existence. However, I appreciate that she is learning how to deal with it. And I love the very striking contrast that we get from the Mace just arrived to Earth last episode to Mace is able to read human emotion and actually help out her friend that we're seeing now. The juxtaposition between last episode and this episode really makes this even better. And so in retrospect, the utterly useless filler episode gains a tiny sliver of more relevance. We found one reason for that episode to be useful. I did find a few more and then I did wrong math. But with this base, I was already in a super positive mood. I was happy. I was all in. And we move on to our crime scene. And finally, we get our first song of the episode. Which is super late. I mean, we've had later songs. For the songs, just to let you know, we have one now and then we have four in two scenes a little bit later on. So I'm gonna get you ready for that. But we are starting with the first one, which is called Watch Him Fall by Beast With No Name. And we get straight into our crime scene. And the first thing that got me very wound up and upset is the hall. Oh, we put up signs. This is a private beach, which is complete bullshit and made me super mad. Yeah, I'm gonna get angry about that a bit later when the reveal happens, because this right there is when Chloe should have solved the case. I don't think so. Really? Neither her nor Dan realized that private beaches in California are not a thing, even though Dan is a surfer? I don't think that was the issue. The thing is that this is just a bunch of entitled rich pricks and you wouldn't really put any relevance to it, I don't think. The solution to the case at the end is that she finds a picture of the private beach sign in Lucifer's reorganized folders, remembers, wait, in California, there is no such thing as private beaches, and then realized it was the bitch who did it. Yeah, but I don't think that's the only reason why she realizes that. She realizes that because of the tags as well. No, the tags were placed there, and then they realize when Dan talks to the orcas that they did not put them there themselves. But still, in my opinion, Super Cop Chloe and Surfer boy Dan should have known something is fishy as fuck the moment those assholes said, oh, but we were putting up signs. Well, this is something that we're going to disagree on this episode because I found this as a completely plausible situation because rich people are entitled and the entitlement is well known. So I don't think that was a red flag per se into a murder inquiry. It makes sense when it falls together. I made my point. You disagree. We're going to leave it at that. But at least now I got my being angry out of the way. But speaking of assholes, the way the one dude of the gay couple says transients alone made me hate all four of them. It's just a certain type of way to say something that instantly tells you, okay, you're a fucking asshole. So props to that actor with just one word. You completely demonstrated and defined the character you were supposed to portray. Well done. I thought that you were gonna go, Pierce is a fucking asshole for what he did to Ella. Girl, it's literally in my notes in caps. Same. Fuck you, Pierce. Literally, fuck Pierce is my note as well, all in caps. And I was fairly appreciative of the fact that Chloe notices that something wrong, but she doesn't bring it anywhere. She just completely ignores it. She acknowledges something is wrong, but then she just deals with her own shit. I was kind of hoping that she would do that eventually. And surprise, she actually doesn't. So I'm not really sure what to think about Chloe and Ella's friendship right now, because I feel like a good friend would follow up. Yeah, I'm absolutely there with you, but I feel they don't have her follow-up so that there is enough space for Charlotte to do her bit later on. Yeah. And since I love that so much, I'm willing to accept that Chloe didn't. I have to say, Charlotte stepping up and doing that is much better solution to that situation than 
if Chloe would have. I'm gonna freak out so much when we get to that scene. But because this scene has so much happening in... I have a tiny devils in the details. Ooh. Chloe says when talking about to Lucifer that he is an egomaniacal narcissist. And I'm gonna say, Chloe, no. An egomaniac is unable to see someone else's point of view. A narcissist sees the other person's point of view, but simply doesn't care. So it's either or, not both. I feel like Lucifer is both. You can't at the same time see someone else's POV and not see it. Well, he is not human, so I feel like he can. I'm gonna disagree with you there. And in my opinion, Lucifer is a narcissist hiding behind an egomaniac outfit. Yep. But he is not both. He is in Chloe's eyes right now. Because she doesn't know the terms. That. I agree with, yeah. But speaking of Chloe, I am a hundred thousand percent on board with her and how she behaves in this scene. Yeah, I love when she's angry. She feels betrayed. She feels hurt. She is setting clear boundaries. And by explicitly formulating what she is doing, she is at least in theory, giving Lucifer a chance to realize where he went wrong, how he hurt her, and so he now has a chance to adjust his behavior. And this is exactly how you should deal. Set boundary, formulate what went wrong, and then the ball is in the other person's court. So very much there for healthy behavior. Thank you. It's very good. Also, it kind of makes me mad, although I'm not surprised, that Lucifer is so ignorant of Chloe's feelings right now because the entire situation happened yesterday. They had that fight on that balcony yesterday. So I understand that there was a lot going on for him, that he managed to reveal who really is Kane and had a conversation with him. So emotionally, it probably felt like a longer period of time. But that doesn't erase the fact that this literally happened probably about 12 hours ago. We get our title card and in unusual Lucifer fashion, we change scenes right after the title card. And we come to one scene where I didn't hate Linda. This is the only moment in this episode where I liked her and where I could empathize with her. And that makes me very sad because she is one of my favorite characters. And the way this is going, she will not be for much longer. And that pains me in the way I do not like. But Linda here as the therapist, trying to make Lucifer understand. And it feels like she's coming so close that he might actually get where she's going. And then the usual turnaround happens and she's just sitting there. Should have seen that coming. And yes, she should have, but also... Fuck, it must be so frustrating to have Lucifer as a patient. Probably, yeah. I do have a question, though. Because Lucifer says at the beginning that Chloe is the only one who can help him figure Kane out. Because he considers the rest of the department utterly incapable. Well, yeah, but then again, Mace is professional bounty hunter. She literally finds shit out for living. But Mace does still a lot of her work pain-based and that will not work with Kane. She will simply torture to get information. But she could torture other people to get information about Kane. There probably are other people that came into contact with him. Yes, but that also would require Lucifer to consider Maze as at least somewhat relevant. Yeah, that's probably the main issue there. So, Chloe, super cop, only competent person, yaddy yaddy. I think he's so focused on her this episode that he completely forgets about Mace even though that later on he does come to her very briefly for advice that doesn't help much but either way it was just something that kind of jumped out at me that he didn't even consider Mace. He is very single point of focus in the entire season. And I think this is one of the parts of the season that are so grating. Because dude's a fucking immortal angel. He should have learned at some point that there's usually more than one variable in a solution. Uh, I don't think so. Like I feel like to him, the only variable ever was desire. And it, up until now, it worked. This is gonna go into a very long tangent. Do we really want to go into that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> 
let's agree to rest this point here. We also get the title drop in this scene. At least the English one, because the German one comes later. We move over into the precinct and yes, who is there working the case? It, it is, is Charlotte! And I am still there for it. I love it. And she is getting so much better. Still making her case, making it clear why certain things will not work, but not being as obnoxious about it. She's still not really charming about it, but she has gone miles compared to her first time as a DA. For sure, yeah. There is growth, and then it continues because she notices instantly that something is wrong with Ella and she follows up. Contrary to Chloe, she follows up. She confronts Ella. And this pep talk is so good. I live for it and I agree with everything she said and I really appreciate how the not yet friendship between Ella and Charlotte is being portrayed here and I really hope they go somewhere with this. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is also the scene where we learn that Pierce is apparently leaving. And all I have to say is, yes, Pierce, please, go. Farewell. Just fuck off and never return. I am not surprised that he's leaving, but I'm surprised that he's leaving now. Do you know why, though? It's because I don't see anything that significant happening for him to leave now. Well, supposedly he had to catch the rogue pseudo-cinnamon. Yes, but that was not the reason why he was there. No, originally he wanted to get killed with Chloe being near and that didn't work out. But then supposedly, or wait, let me use Charlotte's words, allegedly, the pseudo-cinnamon went rogue and he had to clean up his mess and now that neither did play out the way he wanted he's just gonna fuck off okay that's fair enough we move over to the doctor and i only have questions when did amenadiel get chlamydia from whom did he get chlamydia did he get it from linda did he get it before linda if he got it before linda did he pass it on to linda and also how the fuck did amenadiel get chlamydia Angels are supposed to be immune to STIs, as Lucifer tells us, I think, back in season one. I have one answer for you, and I'm not gonna quote you directly, because I do not remember what exactly you said. But does this mean that Amenadiel is now human? And here I say thank you for quoting me back to myself, because this obviously means I was right. Are you gonna run a victory lap around the block? Probably. There is no other explanation except Amenadiel is not a proper angel anymore that could explain the fact that he got ill. I know it isn't chlamydia as we learn at the end of the episode, but he still had symptoms. So the fuck is going on? He has the cold. As long as he doesn't have COVID. It's a flu. It's a flu. It's just a flu. Exactly. I feel that, especially at this point, I felt like this will be the reason or the way Mace is gonna find out about Ames and Linda. And I did not like it at all. Same! Now, we're gonna go to the detective day and we're gonna get another song that's called Good For You by Apache Rifles. And we go into this surfing competition straight away. And in a typical Lucifer fashion, he shows up and he does one thing right and fucks up two more. And it still works out in the end. Well, typical Lucifer fashion. Yeah. It's very obvious to me from the first second of the scene that Detective Day is gonna go completely wrong. Well, he at least he's trying, right? Plus, Lucifer might want to stop calling Chloe detective when she's trying to be undercover and it just escalates from there with him submitting the police picture and her nickname. I do have a question. Why would he think that it's a good idea to do that? To put the detective in the name? He didn't think that's the problem. Do you think that he was 
was just, ah, it's gonna be funny. It was a good joke. And this is what he calls her. This has become synonymous with her name for him. Well, yeah, but if he would stop for two seconds and think about what he's doing... He never stops for these two seconds and that's the problem. Okay, fair enough. At least he didn't let the guy run away. That was very smoothly done with the surfboard. Let go. Okay. Punk. <laughs> Again, very Lucifer. <laughs> that entertained me, I have to admit. But also, I very much feel for Chloe because she is right to be exasperated with Lucifer, but it's also really hard for her to be angry at him because it still worked out in the end. And this is one of the things I actually liked a lot in this episode. It has been a while that I was able to empathize with either Lucifer or or Chloe. And it's nice to be back there. Well, speaking of Chloe being angry at Lucifer, <laughs> if we go to the precinct now for the interrogation time... There is the perfect thing right before the interrogation. Yep, they have a conversation and Dan slaps Lucifer on his butt. With the file! I lost my shit! I was so there for it! It's so playful, it's so wonderful. I love this, Dan! In season three in general, he's being really good and comfortable with himself. Yes! And I uh, really enjoy that done. And it allows us to see the friendship that Dan and Chloe have without the whole romantic layer that we've been had been hinted at. Yeah, it always kept hovering in the background. It was just so weird and now finally they are pure friends and it's going really really well because she is interested in his surfing she can see that he's back being his himself and he's really enjoying himself and having fun actually enjoying his job as well which i feel like him getting demoted after season one was the best thing that could ever possibly happen to him. Yes. Also because he turned himself in. This was needed to have the base and I'm here for it and I really hope they keep evolving the character in this way. Of course, we then get the utterly obvious but still kind of hilarious interrogation scene with the dude being so broken up about killing that seal. He's so dumb. Yes, he's such a dumb surfer boy. I loved it. I loved it. And then finally, we get to, I'd say, both of our favorite bits of this entire episode. And that is when Charlotte confronts Kane in the middle of the precinct. Oh my god. It's so good. I just wanted to stand up and applaud forever. Everything in this scene, from her body language, her facial expression, the way she interacts with him, everything she says, there literally is nothing in this interaction between the two of them that I did not love on her side. She puts out this brilliant burn, the way she interacts with the coffee maker while talking with Pierce, and then she goes on and says, if I wasn't on the road to virtue and righteousness, I would crush you like a cockroach. And then she pours the coffee she just made for him into the trash bin and hands him the empty cup. Because this is where peers belong, into the trash. It's just so good. Yep. Also, have you noticed that Lucifer witnesses the exchange? Yes. And I wonder, because it did not come to play in this episode, so I wonder if that's gonna come back to us at some stage, because that would be fun. Also, Charlotte is a strong ally. Oh, definitely. Even when she's not mum. Maybe even more when she's not mum. Even if she's not stone-cold bitch Charlotte, she still has a lot of knowledge and she still knows a lot of people. And as far as we know, Charlotte and Lucifer have pretty good relationship, right? They are friends, yeah. So everything about this is perfect and it just keeps on getting better because then we shift over to Dan and Lucifer and Lucifer tries to ask Dan for help but of course he starts with detective douche instantly apologizes and Dan 
being the good bean that he is, is actually helping. I mean, it's obvious that Lucifer is gonna do it wrong. At this stage, I was convinced I had a feeling that he would show up naked in her place and bring her breakfast. That was my assumption. I didn't think naked. I thought that he would make her breakfast to bed. I expected him to be only wearing the cooking apron. I didn't go that far. I expected him <laughs> to be fully clothed, but still sneaking into her place and making her breakfast was my assumption, especially because Dan explicitly says what he made her. But that didn't happen, so... Sadly. He should have stuck with the breakfast, as Dan said later. Oh, anything else for this scene? For this perfect, wonderful, great scene? No. I wish we could just stay there. <laughs> no. We have other things to do. Sadly, we have to move on and we go over to an interaction between Linda and Mace. And I hate it. As much as I love the scene previously, so much do I hate this scene. Because I understand why Linda is very skittish if you're nice, scared if you're honest around Mace. And this entire situation is utterly fucked. I don't have anything else to say, except I hate it, but also it's great movie making. I do have one question that hopefully is not going to send you on too much of a tangent. <laughs> I promise nothing. So if Ames has chlamydia, does that mean that himself and Linda did not use protection? And if they did not, is that because Ames was convinced that he can't get anything? Or why? So, angels do not need protection because they are angels. Lucifer says so, I think, pretty explicitly in season one. So there would be no reason for a manadeal to be using protection. But also, even if you use protection, it is never 100%. So when you get diagnosed with an STI, you are still told to inform all your former partners, no matter what type of interaction you had with them, even if you did not have actual proper intercourse, because you never know. And it is better to inform your former partner than not. Okay, I'm fine with that explanation. That was my next question, if you can get chlamydia regardless of protection. So thank you for answering that without me even questioning that point. So we go over into the precinct and my only question gets answered immediately in the next scene, which was, we're getting Surfer Dan, aren't we? Oh, yes. So... In this moment, I was kind of surprised because it just felt weird for them to be this aggressive. You haven't watched Point Break. I have not, no. But I just feel like choking people with a rope for being somewhere where you don't want them to be seems a bit excessive. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just you and also watch Point Break. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there is no rope choking in Point Break but it's been quite a while that I watched that movie. Well, either way, I like Chloe's idea of getting the interaction and we get another really, really great scene transition when she says, I have an idea or something like that. And we get this, like an equivalent of a shot of like a sexy woman walking down the beach, except it's done. When you start with the ankles and kind of slowly go up, and it's so good. And then you have the like hair swoosh and everything. And it's just this entire scene feels like they took the cliche character and flipped it on its head in a sense of like, this is normally the woman. And usually we get this muscly gang leader who's a guy. And in this case, it's going to be a woman. So it's just like all flipped around. And I really enjoyed that about this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're already now transitioning in to the scene at the beach and everything about this scene is wonderful. I only had this tiny, tiny worry, which hopefully did not confirm itself, that the leader of the orcas would be into Dan. Yeah, luckily it did not. Although it's still gender swap, so you know, at least that. Yeah. And sadly, we have to go back to Lucifer because I was really into the surfer. Can we just... I have two more notes on this scene before we move on to Lucifer. And that is, at the beginning, when Dan is walking down the beach, we have a song called Lost Control by With Lions. And then... At the end, when we see Wild Child walking down the beach, we get Heart is an Animal by Deep Valley. And now we can move on back. 
to Lucifer. We have this beautiful montage with another song called Pyramids by Naked Guys. So three songs in super short. Yeah, there's gonna be a fourth one very soon. As I spoiled at the beginning, that's the majority of the song squished into three very short scenes. Wow. Impressive and unusual. But for now... We go back to the precinct and as we mentioned before, Lucifer tries to call Mace for advice and she seems to be in a mood which does not spell good things for Linda and Amenadiel. Also, I find amazing that the all solution to all the problems for Maze is gifting a knife. Because that's the best way to show that you like somebody. Can you blame her? I mean, it's very Maze. This is what she would like to get. Exactly. Gifting things you would like to be gifted yourself. When Lucifer has this epiphany that he is gonna do her paperwork... And starts reorganizing her desk. I was very worried. This was obviously gonna go wrong. And not just because he keeps watering the plant with his flask. I was very amused. I found this whole segment really funny. It was funny, but it was also very obvious that this was not gonna be the way. Of course. But he's just trying to help Lena. Yeah, and then he's going over to Ella. And she is trying to stand up for herself. And it's really not working for her. It's not the good way to stand up for yourself. She is essentially turning herself into a bully. She's turning herself into Pierce. Luckily, and kind of obviously, because this is not who she is, she's very inefficient in this. And she instantly notices that this is not her. Exactly. Luckily, she is mindful of her surroundings, unlike Lucifer at most of the times. And she drops the information of Pierce leaving to Lucifer, which jumpstarts the next portion of the episode, where Lucifer just runs out and leaves her behind. And as we are moving back to this thing, we get another song, shocking, I know, called Head Like a Haunted House by Queens of Stone Age. And if you look at the album image, it's pretty cool. I did take a screenshot. I'm going to post it with the Patreon post and I will also post it on our Instagram if you would be interested. So you can check it out there. But this is also the song that I've decided to do my Devils in the Music on. So if you want to know some very weird random facts completely unrelated to the song. Super curious facts. Go to our Patreon, sign up as a believer and you will get access to that. So good luck. And now it is Surfer Dan time at Oh boy, I'm here for it. Anyway, Pierce says that Dan is good at pissing people off, which he actually is, yeah. Playing to his strength. Definitely. Also, he's apparently pretty good at surfing. And not just Dan as a character, but apparently Kevin Alejandro is pretty good at surfing because that looked like him the entire time. I don't think they used the double. So that's kind of cool. And he keeps getting in everyone else's way. It's wonderful. But sadly, while we have this amazing surf action going on, Chloe is trying to talk Pierce into staying. Because she is the only person who's actually gonna miss him at this stage if he leaves. I hate the way they frame it with her talking about Dan but it's obvious she's talking about herself and it's not very Chloe. I don't like this. I think it's very Chloe. I think that she doesn't want him to leave but she also doesn't want to admit that she is the main reason. But why? Why doesn't she want him to leave? Because she is starting to harbor feelings for him. (gasps) I'm gonna go into that later but I hate it. Well, yeah, it's not great, but like, this is what has been, what they've been setting up for a while. So it makes sense for her to do this. And then Lucifer comes in and everyone gets completely distracted. So basically, Dan has no backup. But this is also the moment when I was a little surprised because I didn't see coming that Kane is gonna ask Lucifer to use his powers on him. And the explanation that I kind of made for myself for that is that Lucifer otherwise would not believe Cain that he's not lying. Another thing I was surprised 
surprised that it took Lucifer so long to understand why Pierce is interested in Chloe. Really? Because I am still not sure why he's still interested in her. Lucifer, immortal, celestial, completely invulnerable. Enter Chloe Decker. Now the devil bleeds. Here am I, Cain. My only desire in the world is to die. Maybe this weird human who made the invulnerable devil bleed can help me with my obsession. Well, clearly you're smarter than all of us because I did not see that at that stage at all. I saw it and I completely agree with Pierce. This is a solid plan. Oh yeah, I'm not questioning the plan. I was just not immediately on board. It made sense to me. Also, this is the moment where we go through all the flashbacks, right? Yes. And as much as I still hate Pierce because he still is a fucking asshole, it now all makes sense with him being so abrasive when he insisted on coming with Chloe to the ranch and everything. So I still hate him, but I now can understand him. I liked the fact that they explained some shit to us finally. So we finally get the explanation for why Lucifer got knocked out at the beginning and that the mysterious cabinet actually did belong to Pierce or Kane. I'm gonna kind of flip, I do that in my notes as well, flip between Kane and Pierce quite a lot, but we all know we're talking about just one person, right? But clearly Kane did not arrange for Lucifer's wings to come back because he says that he sprung wings and came back early, so it was clearly not a part of his plan. So Lucifer finally agrees that this was not Kane's doing. Thank you. I'm gonna go back Back to that at a later point. Why all of this is happening, of course, Dan is still doing his thing. No backup, all alone. And now he gets punched in the face. Yay! I mean, aww. At the same time, it was fun and I felt sorry for him. Luckily, Chloe is still good at her job. So she made sure that he's not somewhere dead in the ditch. She storms in. She figures out what's going on. They chase to the cliff and they look out onto the sea and they see them doing a paddle out. And if you're like me and you've never served a single day in your life and you have no idea what a paddle out is, don't you worry. Listen to the devil in the details and then you can learn what a paddle out is and where the tradition comes from. It's actually very cute and they had a whole bunch of speeches and they put Dan on the spot and because he's not a complete dumbass he manages to not to blow his cover completely. Yeah, but he's so bad at giving a eulogy. He's very generic. Yes, but he still gets all the information that he needs. So bad at giving a eulogy, great at his job. So it's a win at the end. And after this beautiful sting operation is done, they finally come back to the precinct and Chloe gets to see Lucifer's handiwork. And I have notes on a lot of his handiwork. Go on. Tiny note number one. The picture of himself that Lucifer sets as Chloe's desktop wallpaper is part of a photo shoot Tom Alice did for the Attitude magazine in 2012. That's quite old then. Tiny note number two. The plant that Lucifer watered with his flask is on the desk and it's dead. It looked dead before. No, it didn't. I checked. I checked. It's green and slightly perky in the beginning. It's grayish and completely flat in this scene. I love that they follow through though. And third tiny note, I went and made sure and I checked with IMDb, Lucifer's new file labels are obvious killer, tedious evidence, hot suspect, ridiculous alibis, boring details, graffiti, and boring crimes. So two folders for different types of boring. I actually think this is a great way of filing things. I can't diss him for that. I just love that he is upset that she's moving everything from the perfectly 90 degree arrangement. It's beautiful. And actually, Dan in this moment, when they see the table, says you should have gone with the French toast, which, yes, we have mentioned that before. He, this is what we both expected to happen. And honestly, I think this is much better. I would kill him. I would kill him dead. 
I would strangle him. See, I find this super charming, but also if somebody touches my shit, I want to stab them in a face. So I'm not really sure what I would have done. It would depend on the hotness of the person that would have done it. I am that biased. I would be upset, but the length of my upset and the size of my upset would come down to the hotness. I'm a horrible person. Don't touch my shit, period. No matter how hot you are, don't touch my shit. Ooh, don't touch my shit, don't touch my shit. <laughs> That's a new one. That's my shit. That's my shit. I only have a final note for this, which is once again, we have Lucifer accidentally solving a case and I have already made my upset about this weak solve clear in the beginning of the episode. So. Well, well, you made your upset clear for sure. I am very happy that Lucifer helped. It made me very fond of the situation. And see, I'm just here to point out that my whole I hate David Beaches and shit like that from the beginning actually surprisingly has been brought into account in this episode and I appreciate that. Also, if you put up a sign, it doesn't mean that he owned a land. So fuck them, fuck all the rich entitled assholes. They can go fuck themselves. And that's exactly what we do in the next scene when they sit at the private beach, which is such a beautiful setup. I totally adore the fact that they brought two chairs and the champagne and the cooler and they're just sitting there and the horrible self-absorbed bitch shows up and Chloe fans herself with the sign. Did you notice that there is another sign that they use as a table? No, I did not see that. I don't know if the table, it probably is the cooler, right? With the stuff. And that they put another sign on top of it as a desktop <sighs> and have their champagne there. So it's even worse in a sense of the way they use the signs to make this woman mad. And it's just so good. And everything else in this scene is also really fun with the policeman just standing there holding the surfboard. Can you picture that woman on a surfboard? Well, she's a rich bitch, so she probably owns it regardless. And she has zero remorse. So is she going to hell or not? The eternal question. There's a good question that I did not think of. But no matter, because there is still more happening in this episode. The scene ends with Lucifer having vanished because he just thought of something. Because it was just means to an end. Ta-da! Light bulb moment. But before we follow with... Did you miss that? Yeah, I completely missed that. <laughs> that is why he realizes that God gave him the wings so he would stop Cain from managing to kill himself. Okay. Giving Lucifer the wings was a means to an end that had nothing to do with Lucifer. Yet again, I did not notice. Okay. <laughs> Before we follow up on the means to an end hint, we have to continue with the part of this episode I hate. And that is the love triangle. One of the two love triangles. The explicit love triangle. Let's call it that. And this scene removed Linda from my favorite characters. Oh, completely. Yes, because she is consciously and deliberately sneaking behind Maze's back. And as far as I read this scene, they have been meeting repeatedly. But that doesn't make any sense. They talked about this as this is a relationship that's been going on for a while, but this is not what we've been shown. According to what we've seen, they literally got together like two days ago. And here is where the theoretical timeline and the actual timeline get muddled. But from what Linda's and the Menadiel's interaction lead us to believe, this is a relationship this is more than we had one hookup. Well, because it gets worse, obviously Linda knows that just because you have sex with someone doesn't mean you have a relationship with someone because fucking a manadiel slut shames her. He can go fuck himself. Yeah, I was so angry at both of them because both of them are really bad people in this scene and I hate it. And then Linda goes and says, oh, I want to stop this because it's not fair to Mace and then they make out. Yes, because they touch 
much and they can't get over the electricity between them. Yeah, and I hate, hate, hate that. I do have a question. Yes. Do you think Mace followed Linda or Amenadiel? Linda, because of the spit take when Amenadiel calls Mace to tell her that he has chlamydia and Mace says that and Linda does the spit take because then Mace has this short moment where she looks at Linda with a slight curious expression on her face and that is the moment where she starts to suspect. I guess Linda just for the sheer reason of she does not care enough about Amenadiel to follow him around. Yeah, that also... Anything else for this horrifying scene that is gonna fuck up future storytelling? No, I do not have anything else to that. I want to get away from it as quickly as I can. Just to see Kane actually not being a complete arsehole for a moment. And Ella standing up for herself in the Ella way. And in the good way. Like, in general, in a good way. Yes. People seem to like it, but more importantly, I like it. And you are correct, Ella. We do like it. Yeah. And as someone who also talks a lot and is quite loud in her behavior, this is actually something that you as a person have to come to peace with. If you are a certain type of person and you enjoy being that person and your friends tell you it's great that you are this person and then just some random asshole thinks he needs to tell you or she needs to tell you that you should stop being you, fuck them with a crowbar. Because I have been told in my past that I should be less loud. If you should be less loud, maybe the person who says that should be further away from you. Exactly. Anyway... We are collectively happy for Ella. It's very Ella that she hugs him. Exactly. And I have to say, watching the hug, I kind of really want to hug him too, because he seems like he gives great hugs. I kind of want to hug them both. Well, yeah, but that's always a given. I think both of them give great hugs. Okay, let's go back into the scene. We remain at the precinct, but we go down to the garage. And before we actually talk about the end of this episode, about halfway through the garage scene, we get a song, and because there is a little bit more I want to say about it i'm gonna just insert it here it's called better the devil you know by animal fiction wow that title is very on the nose it is very on the nose however i could not find the song anywhere so i actually looked it up and it seems that the band has posted that their song got featured but apparently sometimes tv series use unreleased songs for promotional purposes some songs are never released however animal fiction apparently were supposed to release this song in February 2018 but there are no songs released on that date so weird situation happened the song is unavailable anywhere even though they were supposed to release it at some stage maybe it's gonna eventually show up somewhere so if it does I will keep an eye out and try to add it to our list but unfortunately this is just the mention shame So when the scene starts and the two of them are standing next to each other, I thought Tom Ellis is shorter than Tom Welling. And so I looked it up and they're the same height. So I was very confused by this apparent height difference in the scene. He's standing a little bit lower. They're in a garage. There's not usually that many steps on the parking ground. This episode ends with... Lucifer signing on to help Cain and Cain accepting that deal with the devil, which is, of course, the German title drop. It's obvious to me that this is gonna go wrong because it kind of has to. But I also have a question. If Lucifer is right and God gave him his wings to interfere with Cain's plan, that would mean that Cain's plan was solid and Chloe is the answer to his question. Otherwise, why would God have needed to interfere at all? So if he is right, there must be another additional factor that makes Lucifer vulnerable around Chloe and Cain not. And even when I first watched this, it was extremely obvious to me that the reason why Lucifer is vulnerable around Chloe and Cain is not is because 
Lucifer is in love with Chloe and Kane is not. Really? Because I did not think of that at all. That is the only difference in their relationship. But Kane is human and Lucifer is an angel. They're both immortal. Yes, but Kane is human and Lucifer is an angel. And in the beginning, Pilate, Lucifer was not yet vulnerable around Chloe. It only started when he got curious and interested in her. Well, yeah, but that is not the only difference between Lucifer and Cain. No, it's the only difference between their relationship to Chloe. And Amenadiel, as far as we know, does not get vulnerable around Chloe either. And he's also an immortal and he's also an angel. So there has to be this additional factor. Yes, but like you're trying to generalize it. Yeah, of course. The only other explanation is that Lucifer is not right and God did not give him the wings to thwart Cain's plan. But that would mean that there is another completely convoluted purpose why he got his wings back. And at this point, this season cannot handle yet another meta plot. And so I'm putting everything on one card and this is my ship. I went with the Lucifer is wrong assumption. So... <laughs> yeah! That means one of us has to be right in the future. Maybe we're both right. Maybe we're not. No, no, no. It can't be Lucifer is right and Lucifer is wrong at the same time. Oh, no. I say that his reasoning of why he got his wings back is bullshit. But that's my assumption because it just feels overly complicated, to be honest. It just feels like there's going to be a much more simpler solution to why and how he got his wings back. And... I don't know it. I'm not trying to find it out right now. I'm not trying to reason it out right now. But honestly, I am very much intrigued by the idea of Cain and Lucifer working together from now on. It will bring a whole bunch of new questions regarding Chloe, in my opinion, and not just what you talked about. But if they do manage to kill Cain, how they're going to do it without hurting Chloe? Because she clearly cares for him already. And how are they going to do it without Chloe finding out that Lucifer helped kill Pierce? Because that is going to put a strain on their relation. Yep, there is going to be a lot of that stuff happening and that is what I am kind of alluding to myself. You know, another reason why I'm with Lucifer is that Cain is the original fuck you god who got punished. So I can just picture God being a petty asshole, forcing the wings back on his rebel son to punish the first human he did not create himself. There are so many reasons that play into feeling Lucifer is right about this. And in my closed system, it all fits. Anyway, surprisingly to myself, I actually did like this episode quite a lot. I liked Charlotte supporting Ella. I liked Ella supporting herself and in the end finding the right words to confront Pierce and the fact that he took it so well. I did not love the entire Linda and Ames storyline, except for the chlamydia part, obviously, and when the entire thing is going. But then again, what else is new? I really did enjoy the case of the week, as I mentioned before, their surprising twist to me and the motive and the whole flipping things around regarding the genders. And I am very much excited and intrigued about what's gonna happen with Lucifer and Cain. I agree on many accounts. I really enjoyed this episode. I had forgotten how much I enjoyed this episode because we are back on track and we finally have a new really intriguing mission. How to kill Cain. Which is something that we wanted to do from the beginning, to be honest. Exactly. And Pierce having a death wish makes him a lot more likable to me. But mostly him getting cut down to fucking shreds by Charlotte is what satisfied my dislike of him. Because he got what he had coming. This was really well done by the writers and I really appreciate it. Also, Charlotte and Ella just about killed it this episode. I love the progress of their not-quite-yet-friendship and together, as well as alone, both of these characters are wonderful and I just want more of them. Then getting to shine both as an integral part of the Sting Op and, let's be honest, as fucking eye candy was very nice. And I simply want more good things for Dan. Preferably still with Charlotte. I was a bit surprised we didn't get any Charlotte-Dan interaction in this episode. 
I do not like the, for me, very obvious confirmation that we are getting the love triangle with Lucifer, Pierce and Chloe. She is getting way too attached to Pierce. Lucifer is still keeping his romantic distance from her. Plus, I am very sure that the whole vulnerability thing is only gonna work if either Pierce falls in love with her or she falls in love with him. So I'm never a fan of a love triangle. This gets a meh from me. But since I'm not a Decca star shipper, I am also not in the hate camp. But I can only imagine when this first aired. All the Decca star shippers must have hated this with a passion. I very obviously hate the other triangle with Mace, Linda and Amenadiel. I have hated this since it started and I hate it more with every single mention and every single second of it. Yes, I am fully aware that it is and was not Mace's place to tell Linda who she can or cannot date. But Linda is straight up and consciously lying to Mace. And that is so much worse in my book. And it is killing one of my favorite characters for me. So fuck this storyline. They better resolve this or I am gonna be salty about this for the rest of the show. But all in all, fucking great episode. I am back to being fully engaged with the meta plot and most of the storylines. So I'm really looking forward to next week. And with this we say Thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social medias. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really, really help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank Thank you. you! Bye!